0: I said anybody know you made it by the grace of God let's go to God in prayer father we bless you and thank you for your word today we pray now that as your word goes forth it would meet us where we are and help us to get to where you want us to be help us to be more than just hearers of your word help us to be doers as well we love you, and we ask your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. So, one of my favorite shows is titled American Restoration. The star of that show is Rick Dale. He has a shop known as Rick's Restoration Shop, and he takes any and everything. And breathes new life into these items. Stuff that we would throw on a trash heap. Matter of fact, some of it you may have thrown on the trash. And pickers, junk men, find treasure in trash. And Rick is a person that restores it and brings it back to showroom conditions. I love the show because I just, I just like seeing old stuff having new life breathed into it. And I have a clip I want you to see. Now, let me caution you and give you a disclaimer. Um, the really, really bad language has been bleeped out. The kind of bad language is still in there. But it's nothing none of you haven't heard before. And most of you have probably said. But just in case you're sensitive, I want to warn you now, so put your finger over your ears, all right? Roll the master control.
1: One of my biggest projects lately has been a golf cart for Rick Harrison, a local pawn shop owner. My team's been working really hard, and now Tyler and I are putting on the final touches before the customer comes over. Okay, see if you can slide it up. Nope, more. Okay. Perfect. We're good. Always put stuff on, finger tight first, and then tighten, 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 tighten. Okay. So, Tyler, what's the most important thing when we're doing this stuff? The attention to detail. That's a fact. That's exactly right. All right, T, great job. It looks looks awesome. Thanks. The customer is going to love that. The moment we show a finished product to the customer is the most important moment of the entire process. What in the hell are we doing out here? Don't worry about it. I got something for you. I got... Oh, bull****. The old man's in a really bad mood right now because we took him out of the shop, but I think he's going to be happy once he sees this thing. Hey, Rick, you around? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, my God. What do you think of it, Dad? This is for driving around your compound. They come out real nice. the ultimate toy. <laughs> you know, it just looks badass. You know, I thought it was something that would be cool for the old man. I'd cruise this thing around. Well, I designed this... For you, teed off. You know, I see you all the time, and, and, and you're teed off a lot. That pretty much says it all. Yeah, if he's not pissed off, he's not happy. That's right. And I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I think I've seen you make that face before. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> How bad was it when you got it? It was trash. It was totally trash. This was literally a ground-up restoration. We painted it green, and then it needed something else. So we, this is all actually paint that looks like wood on the sides. Then we upholstered it and you'll see the seats match the top back up inside there. All the wood, of course, was rotted. Everything was rotted. So we had all this. This is all solid oak. We built this bimini top, and uh, then we upholstered it. Come on back here. Richard, would you like uh, you like a cold beverage? <laughs> oh, now we, hey, that's kind of Put yourself a little cooler in there. There you go.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That'll, work. That'll work. In case you get thirsty on the road, So whenever you see the show, you're always you're always marveling at the before and after. I mean, it's it's hard to believe that that trashed, roached out, used to be golf cart was actually made and pounded out. And he put all kinds of man hours in it to get it to look like it did at the final product. Rick specializes in restoring things. But I asked myself a question as I was watching that episode and I thought to myself, what do you do and where do you go when you're in need of restoration? Like when you've been broken and battered, when you've been torn up and tore down to the point that somebody may think you need to be thrown out. That's where David found himself. When he writes the 51st division of Psalms, David is at a place where there are those who would say, knowing what he had done, David should be thrown out. What he has done is an abomination before God. What what he has done is a sin before man. There's no way that David should remain a respected and cherished part of the leadership of Israel. In 1 Kings 15, verse 5, the Bible says, For David had done what was pleasing in the Lord's sight and had obeyed the Lord's commands throughout his life, except in the affair concerning Uriah the Hittite. Those of you who know the story, you remember. Those of you who may not, let me give you a cliff note version. David goes out on his balcony one evening and peers down below the balcony, and there's a woman who's taking a bath. He sees this woman taking a bath. She is beautiful, and he makes his move and makes his play, as the king would, to find out who she is and ends up sleeping with her. She becomes pregnant out of this illicit affair, and her husband is a man by the name of Uriah, and Uriah loves King David. He finds out that she's pregnant. He brings Uriah back and basically tries to get Uriah to go in and sleep with his wife so the pregnancy can be covered up. But Uriah fails to do so. Uriah is so dedicated, he feels it's an insult for him to go sleep in his bed and sleep with his wife and his men are still on the front line battling. And so David has the nerve to change Uriah's assignment. Sent him to the most dangerous part of the front so that Uriah is almost guaranteed to die. And Uriah gets killed in battle. Now, here comes David. He takes Bathsheba into his home. And you can imagine there were people who were looking going, oh, man, the king is such a great guy. Look at him, man. One of his trusted soldiers, man, he died on the battlefield. And look at David, man. He took her into his home. Man, David, man, when I grow up, I want to be just like David. But the Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter 12, the prophet Nathan comes and confronts David. Tells this story, and David's like, yeah, Anybody who mistreats, man, any, 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 any farmer who has a bunch of sheep and takes one little sheep from a farmer, man, we don't put up with that in this kingdom. And Nathan's like, you the man. Because that's what you did with Uriah. And the Bible says it becomes a blemish on the character and the biblical record of David. Psalm 51 is David's response to being caught in this sinful situation today I want to continue our look at a message that we started last week how to become spiritually restored to God how to become spiritually restored to God if Rick Dale can take an old raggedy golf cart and restore it to a showroom finish how can you and I with broken hearts, broken spirits and broken minds, how can we come to a place where we experience restoration by God? If you have your outlines, would you say amen? amen? If you need an outline, raise your hand and the ushers will get one to you. Now, we started last week by talking about the fact that you need to ask the Lord to forgive you of your sins. You need to ask the Lord to forgive you of your sins. And first, we discovered that you have to be willing to call sin what it is. Sin. You can't call it a slip in judgment. You can't call it a misstep. Uh, You can't call it a lifestyle choice. Uh, Whatever it is, you've got to call it what it is according to God's dictionary, according to God's lectionary. If it's sin, it's sin. And God says when you identify it as sin... You must ask God to forgive you of your sins. Now, the interesting thing that comes out of these first four verses that really stands out to me is the fact that David acknowledges that his sin is against God. Verse four against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. That even when I do wrong to those who coexist with me horizontally, even when I do you wrong or you do me wrong, our ultimate sin is not against each other. It's against God. And David says, because of that, I've got to take a different posture. But let's go to verse 5. Here's the first thing in part 2. You need to pray and ask the Lord to purge you and help you forsake your sin. You need to pray and ask the Lord to purge you and help you forsake your sin. Verse 5, Psalm 51, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. In iniquity I was brought forth. I was born in sin and shaped in iniquity. David admits he is suffering from the congenital depravity that plagues all humanity. He says, man, this sin thing lives inside of me. I inherited it. Have you ever talked to somebody or maybe observed somebody who acts just like their mama or their daddy And it seems like that thing is just generational, right? Matter of fact, let me tell you what's really scary when a person acts like their mama and daddy and they wasn't raised by their mama or daddy. But they have that same temperament, right? They have that same spirit. David says this thing called sin is a congenital depravity. It's something that was infused in my spirit when I was in the womb. David says, I was born in sin, shaped in iniquity. Now, watch this. When David says this, he says this to provide an explanation for his sin nature, but not an excuse for his sinful behavior. Let me say that again for somebody. David says this so that you will know the root of his sin nature, but he doesn't say it to excuse his sinful behavior. You know, that's where many people are, not not you, but the person next to you. That's where they tend to go whenever they get caught doing something. Well, you know, that's just the way I am. The argument, is it nature or is it nurture? The issue is not is it nature or nurture, is it sin? It's wrong. It is what it is, whether it's within me because nobody ever had to teach me how to do wrong. People may have had to teach me how to do wrong more proficiently. (laughs) Become more of an expert in the executing of my sin. But nobody ever, you never ever teach a child to lie. Them little heathens just lie. (laughs) They, They lie and they sound so cute and innocent when they do it. What happened here? Oh no. Liar? You're lying. Two years old, lines. to him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> David says, listen, I'm not blaming God for my sin nature. I have to take responsibility for it. And in taking responsibility for it, I can take ownership of it and be honest with God. Because why? My honesty with God is the pathway to my ultimate goal of healing and wholeness in God. Can I tell you a little something? Whenever you deny it, you can't be delivered from it. Right, write that down somewhere. Whenever you deny it, you can't be delivered from it. Listen, you ever heard anybody you're talking to, and they say, well, I am, I'm not claiming that. I say, you sick, you went out. Yeah, the doctor said I got cancer, but I, I'm not claiming it. If you don't claim it, you can't ever get a cure for it. Because if you don't claim it, guess what? You won't sincerely pray about it. Who prays about what they don't claim? Who goes to the doctor for an illness they don't acknowledge they have? David says, you rejoice, you delight in the truth in the inward being. Remember, God is not caught up in what's going on on the outside. He is looking at your heart. Can you be real with God? David acknowledges his weakness. He acknowledges his wickedness. He acknowledges his depravity before the Lord. So watch what he says. Verse 7, purge me with hyssop. Purge me with hyssop. The word purge there literally means to purify from sin or to free from sin and has as its underlying tone this idea of repentance. Now there's a difference between repenting and being sorrowful. Some people are sorrowful, but they have no intention of repenting. Repentance includes sorrow. But sorrow does not necessarily result in repentance. Repentance is not just expressing remorse over what has happened, but now it's also adding a commitment to change my behavior so I won't end up back here again. Some folk are sorry many times, just sorry because they got caught. Man, I'm sorry I made you feel that way. Okay, but are you going to make me feel that way again? You know, I'm sorry I cheated on you. You planning on cheating some more? Because you can be sorry and still not repent. David says, purge me with hyssop. Now, it's interesting because hyssop is a medicinal herb in ancient Israel, and it was used for ceremonial rituals. Uh, The the hyssop plant has a very, very unique place in the history of Israel. You recall when the death angel was coming into Egypt and it was the night of the Passover that uh, Moses gave directions for them to dip the blood and sprinkle it over the doorpost. Well, they used the hyssop branch to dip in the blood to smear over the doorpost and the death angel when he saw the blood of the lamb he passed over hence the name Passover he passed over that household and went to the house that wasn't covered by the blood the hyssop branch was also used when Jesus was hanging on the cross and they went to give him some vinegar after the fifth word I thirst they extended that vinegar soaked sponge on a hyssop branch. Uh, hyssop was a an herb that could help you find healing on the inside and also on the outside. He says, purge me with hyssop. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. And, and that, that phrase, wash me, I'm going to take some of y'all back. Um, how many of you remember washboards? Anybody remember washboards? Yeah, if, if you see a baby around you who doesn't know, just just Google it and show it to him. <laughs> right, but, but washboards, man. when you had that number one tub or that number two tub or, or maybe you just had a bucket, you know what I mean? And you had throw that washboard in there, even if it was just one leg of the washboard and you had to wash something out by hand. Now, thank God for fabric softener because that stuff drying out after you did it on that washboard, it was hard to wear immediately, you know what I'm talking about? But but you would scrub and scrub and scrub. Um, This idea of wash that David is referring to is a fuller. Uh, A a person who would wash either by hand or if something was really dirty, they would trample on it. They would put it in in a tub in a vat with soap and they would walk on it. In order to separate the dirt from the material. David says, Lord, wash me. wash me. I'm not trusting me to wash myself. I need you to wash me because if you wash me and I'm clean, I will be clean indeed. Somebody in here, God is looking for you to say, Lord, wash me. Come clean with your sin. Call it what it is. Whatever the sin is, whether it is a sordid sexual affair or whether it's an attitude that God wants to change. Maybe it's how you treat a brother or sister. God says, call it what it is and then ask the Lord to wash me. Wash me. Cleanse me. Look at Job 14 verse 4. Who can bring purity out of an impure person? No one. Talking about people. Psalm 58 verse 3. Come on, let's read it together. These wicked people are born sinners, even from birth. They have lied and gone their own way. You know, most of us live by that philosophy of that poet laureate some years ago who said, if loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right. When the truth of the matter is, that is nowhere in the Bible. Amen, somebody. If loving you is wrong, you better start doing right, all right? Amen. If you're in that situation, tell them put a ring on it. Let's go to number two. Y'all know I'm just being serious. Number two. Secondly, you need to pray and ask the Lord to renew your spirit. You need to pray and ask the Lord to renew your spirit. Verse 8, Psalm 51: Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. Have you ever taken something to the cleaners that had a stain on it? And you pointed it out to the attendant and they probably put a little piece of tape or something on it? I've gotten items back from the cleaners and that residue was still there where the stain was. And I would say, hey, I want you to put this back through again. I still see the stain. And and eventually, the attendant will probably say something like this to you. We've done all that we can without damaging the garment. We can try again, but we are not responsible if your garment is damaged. Because they know sometimes a stain can get set in so far that in order to get it out, the garment may be unwearable. It won't look like it used to look. David recognizes the severity of the sin stain that's on his spirit. He says to God, God, Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have broken rejoice. What do you mean the bones you have broken? Not the physical bones that have been broken, but David has been put in a place and in a mindset where he has had his spirit broken. Because sin will break your spirit even when you walk around looking good on the outside. See, the truth of the matter is all of us can pretend to be better than we actually are. You ever talk to somebody, you say, what's wrong? He said, oh, nothing. You're like, no, you're lying. I know something wrong. You can, right? If you know a person, you can tell by how they're acting, how they're talking. Well, I just have something on my mind. No, that's more than that. Now, if you don't want to tell me, just say, I don't want to tell you. But don't tell me nothing because I can tell it's something because you're acting completely different. Watch what David says. He says, Dave, Lord says, he says to the Lord, Lord, make me to know or make me to hear joy and gladness. I not only want the absence of problems, pain, trials, and tribulations, I want the positive. I want joy and gladness in my life again. God, I want you to bring back that joy that I once had. Can I tell you a little secret? Many times people make it through life. Not with joy and gladness, but with a temporary fix for what is at times a more permanent problem. They call it happy hour. (laughs) No, no, think about this. People go to happy hour to get away from what they left or to delay where they got to go. But it is a brief respite at best. It's a temporary timeout. Because eventually I got to go back to where I left, or I've got to go to what I'm trying to avoid. So I don't have joy, I don't have true gladness, I have a moment of happiness. which many times can become a sad moment in and of itself. David says, every ache and every pain associated with the sin that I have committed, he says, God, heal me. Heal me. See, see God alone is the true source of joy and gladness for your life. God alone is a true source of peace for your life. And so David prays. Look at verse 9. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. That, that, That phrase for blot out literally means to erase in total. Erase as if there is no record of it ever happening. It is a complete divine pardon. We've seen in the news, President 45 issuing pardons. And, and, and some have wondered what's the strategy behind it because presidential pardons are typically given by presidents on their way out of office. Within the last month of their time in office, they will issue presidential pardons. These are not expungements. These are not the sealing of records. A presidential pardon says you are literally not just not guilty, you have never committed the crime. No consequences. The governor can give you a pardon on a state level. The president can give you a pardon on a federal level. He pardons you, done. Forget about it. It's finished. When they pull your record, it never appears. And some are questioning why 45 is giving all these pardons so early. And some are saying the reason he's doing it is because he has so many friends who are in court now being investigated that he wants them to know he still has another two years and he's going to take care of them. So don't rat on him because he'll take care of them on the back end. So even if they're found guilty of something, perjury, whatever it is, that he can pardon them and take care of it. David says, Lord, I need a pardon from you. I need you to blot out my transgressions. And then he says in verse 10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew the right spirit that is within me. That word for create, the Hebrew word bara, it's a word that is used some 50 times in the Bible. And when it is used, in this sense, it refers exclusively to the activity of divinity. In other words, this word in this context only refers to what God can do. It's the same word that's used in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2 when God created. God did some stuff that nobody else could do. Because he creates ex nihilo, He can create something out of nothing. You probably have heard the joke of the scientists who challenged God to a man-making competition. Scientists said, I can make a man just like you can make a man, God. God said, really? I said, yes, the advances of science have taken us to the place That we can create a human being just like you created a human being. God said, all right, you go first. Scientists said, well, he said, first, I'm going to take some dirt. God said, "Uh uh-uh, that's my dirt. You create your own dirt. Some of y'all got a blank man was created out of the dust of the earth the man was going to start with the dust of the earth but god created the dirt and so he told the man to get you got to make dirt before you can make a y'all get it on the way home david says lord create in me a clean heart and renew the right spirit within me The word for renew there means to rebuild, to repair, to take back to this former glory that once existed. Renew, God, the right spirit within me. This word spirit, ruah, speaks to wind, breath, essence. Not my physical life or my physical body, but the spirit that lives inside of me. Uh, anybody who's ever been an athlete, one, one of the scariest things that can happen to you is when you get the wind knocked out of you. Uh, football, basketball, it doesn't matter. You get hit in that certain area, and and literally the breath is knocked out of you. And and you can't talk. You can't cry. You're just trying to catch your breath somehow. Some, and you just... <gasps> What's wrong? (sighs) And it takes you a few moments when the wind gets knocked out of you to have your lungs re-inhale and get back on a rhythm of breathing. Somebody in here, here's what David I think is trying to tell us. Sin will knock the spiritual wind out of you. Sin will knock the spiritual wind out of you. David says, Lord, renew the right spirit in me. Don't let me come out of sin with the spirit knocked out of me and then re energize with the wrong spirit. What do you mean, pastor? Spirit of anger. Spirit of bitterness on the other side of sin. Right. Because of your sin, you don't like men because of your sin. You don't like women. You say, well, wait a minute. But pastor, they sinned against me. Yeah, but you sinned against God. And that sinful activity, knocked the spiritual wind out of you. And here comes the wrong spirit. That critical spirit, that lying spirit, that denying spirit. David says, Lord, create in me a clean heart and renew the right spirit within me. Don't allow my sin of my past to put me and keep me in a wrong place and a wrong spirit in my present. God, renew the right spirit. Within me. Can I tell you something? Much of what we struggle with in our present is because of unresolved issues from our past. Much of what you deal with in terms of problems interpersonally with people today is because of unresolved interpersonal issues of your past. You can't walk and be who God created you to be in your present because you are still walking and acting like the devil tried to make you out of your past. And David says, Lord, create in me a clean heart renew within me a right spirit. Because God, at the end of this day, I want to be right with you. And I recognize I can't be right on the outside if I'm wrong on the inside. You ever seen a makeover show? Maybe an ambush makeover or a makeover show in a studio audience and they take that person and they make them over. And they change their hair and they change their makeup and, Gentleman, he's real sloppy, man, got hair everywhere. They shave him up and groom him up real nice, and, and they take him out of them 40-year-old jeans and, 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 and put him in a suit, a tie, a sport coat or something, right? You ever see? And, and what happens when people come out after that makeover? Well, this is how they look before. Let's see them now. Oh, my God! You look so different! Oh, my God! Right? Because that's the effect of a makeover. But are they different on the inside? See, I submit to you, my brothers and sisters, it's a lot easier to change your look on the outside than it is to change your attitude on the inside. And David said, in order to change me on the inside, let me go back and put myself in the hands of the person who created me in the first place. I told you Rick Dale, Rick's Restoration, show American Restoration, man, he specializes in taking stuff that look like nothing and making it look like something special. But I want you to see the end of that episode so you'll get a real appreciation for his gifts and his skill.
1: Nice with you, Rick. You did a hell of a job on it. He took a piece of trash and turned it into something that's beautiful. So, old man, you want to take it for a spin? Yeah, I'll give it a tour. The golf cart came out amazing. It's a cuter in hell.
0: I'll ride around in it and I'll have some fun with it. Four! <laughs> 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 You're looking good, old-timer.
1: <laughs> just his <Right>. speech.
0: <laughs> now, here's what Rick prides himself on. Uh, if you've watched this show, Rick is not just committed to changing what something looks like on the outside. He wants to make sure it works on the inside. I've seen him take coin-operated machines, old vending machines where you used to sell candy. You remember you would put the quarter in uh, when penny candy was a penny and you put a penny in and then you pull that lever and, right, and stuff would come out. I've seen him literally open up the door to a vending machine and it'd be nothing but rust. And if he couldn't find the part, he would make the part in order to put it in. And whenever a guest comes to the show to pick up an item that they brought to him, here's what normally would happen. They would go crazy over how it looks. And then they would ask him the million dollar question, does it work? And he would say, well, let's give it a try. And so if it takes a quarter, he'll pull out a quarter, put the quarter in, And the machine will work because Rick will tell you his commitment is not just to making it look good on the outside, but to make sure it works on the inside. That, my brothers and sisters, is God's commitment to you. As much as you want to look good on the outside, God says, I want you to be right on the inside. God, created me a clean heart and renew the right spirit within me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. And I pray now, God, that somebody who's listening might govern themselves accordingly. Might recognize that, God, you want to help them to be right so they can live right. God, at his lowest point, after being confronted in love by Nathan, at his lowest point, David turned to you. Help us, God, somebody today who is at their lowest point to turn to you. Whatever their sordid sin is, help them to turn to you. And God, those of us who may not be at our lowest point, but we're on our way there, give us the power to call for a U turn right now and seek your face. We love you, God. We ask your blessings now in Jesus' name. Let all of God's people say, Amen. Amen.